Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. I'm Jennifer Wiggum. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 361 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, I'm talking with Lawyers founders Sam Glover and Aaron Street about a new way to think through your exit strategy. Today's podcast is brought to you by text expander Latera and Rankings.io. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support. So stay tuned. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later on. So, Jennifer, it's the end of the year. Happy New Year's. Yeah. Happy almost new year. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously this is a time I think most people are thinking about new year's resolutions and what they want to do in the new year. And maybe we thought it'd be fun to pose a different question, which is what do you not want to do with the new year? Yeah, Yeah. I like that. I think sometimes that's a lot more helpful because your choices are narrower than what do you want to do? Well, you can do anything. What do you not want to do? You might get more specific answers for that one. Yeah. And I was looking at some stuff recently and I remembered I did this exercise a long time ago and it was around the idea of tolerations. And so the Mm -hmm. question posed was like, what are you currently tolerating? And it got me thinking like, that's a good question. What am I tolerating? What is our team tolerate? Like what is a company are we tolerating? And, and what do we not want to tolerate in the new year? Is that the right way to say that? Yeah. And the reason I kind of like that is it ties it to an emotion. You know, when you say, what do you want to not do? That's an action, but tolerating is a very specific emotion you feel when you're not being able to tolerate something. And I think you're able to get better answers that way when you tie it to that emotion. So that's cool. I like that question a lot. Yeah. And so maybe just some different ways for people as they're thinking about the new year and what they want to bring into the new year or not bring into the new year. And then you had an idea around this too. So tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. My question that I asked myself and then I want other people to think about is what are you waiting for? What are you waiting on? Because I think there are so many decisions and things that we wait for. Like, are you waiting on the pandemic to be over before you make this big decision or this big jump? Are you waiting until you feel completely happy and content in your life? Are you waiting for you to get a better skill? I don't know. I mean, there's all these things that people wait for when actually you will be waiting forever in a way, I won't say it's an excuse because I think sometimes there are real justifications for waiting and taking your time, but you know, that moment in yourself when the waiting is really just fear. And I think that fear is never going to go away. I mean, you have to do it while you're scared and just accept that and know that you're going to live through it. So that's a question I would pose everybody. Yeah. And I had a session recently where I was kind of talking about like things that I'm talking to myself about. Right. Mm -hmm. So something I do a lot is I'll be like, well, I should do this. Mm -hmm. Like I, like this time of year, I should exercise more. Right. Who is saying that right now? Right. And then, but what was so powerful about what the person said to me is she was like, yes, no shoulds. But when you, when you should, you focus in on one thing I should work out every day for 30 minutes, and then you eliminate all the other possibilities. 
So mm-hmm. I loved that because I was like, yeah, instead of saying I should do this, it's like, well, I'm eliminating the possibility of taking a walk or just doing something very different, right? Than the one thing I said, I should do this. So yeah, I liked that framing too. And so don't shut on yourself or anyone else <laughs> in the new year. And I, I've heard it replaced too with could, which I think is the same idea that I could do this. And that gives you all those other possibilities because then it also gives you the power of the choice to should feels like the teacher telling you, you have to do this, but could is this really hopeful, optimistic word. Like you yeah. could do it. And isn't that cool? Yeah. So maybe this gives some people some things to think about as they're entering the new year. And we're hoping, we always hope it's a, a good new year. I'm excited. I'm I'm feeling a lot of optimism going into 2022. Me too. I love New Year's. I think it's just a wonderful time just to clean slate it and start over. So now we have Stephanie's conversation with Sam and Aaron coming up. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street. And we are the guests of the Lawyerist podcast. (laughs) How the tables have turned. It's very weird. (laughs) Hey, guys, welcome to welcome to your show. How about that? Yeah, kind (laughs) of. your original show. Now, I guess mm-hmm. it's mine. Took it over. So in case people aren't aware, my guests today are Sam Glover and Aaron Street, the co-founders of Lawyerist and original founders and host of this show. So guys, how's it feel to be back in the other chair? Uh, a little weird, but uh, also comfortable. I mean, it feels like, uh, if anything, for me, it's like a bit of a reunion since I used to see you guys every day and now I only get to see you occasionally. Yeah, it's weird to be on this side of the microphone. I guess I'm on the same side of the microphone. <laughs> it's just a microphone, but feels weird. Yeah. Well, in a funny way, that's actually why you're on the show today, because we're talking about how you both created a business that could survive without you. And that's pretty amazing. Well, it is. And do do people know that like the way in which it is surviving without us is because you are now the CEO of Lawyerist? You are officially they making... do now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. Ta-da, that was the official announcement. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, I'm so excited about that. And I'm, it's really cool to, that I got to be the one to say it first, because holy shit, uh, you're the CEO now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm super excited. And so, you know, we should probably dive in a little bit. For those that don't know, that's a role Aaron has held for a while, and Aaron in the new year is going to be stepping away, not from the company, but just from the day-to-day role as the CEO and something I'll be stepping into. Yeah. I mean, when Sam and I started this company in the spring of 2009, so almost 13 years ago, it was in part because we had a mission to make small law firm practice better based on, at the time, some trends and ideas we had around technology and innovation and stuff. And it was in part to like build freedom into our own lives. Um, We were both entrepreneurial people, me having started businesses since I was a kid and Sam with a solo law practice and wanted to be in control of our own destinies. And so we built this business to promote both of those things. And it's cool that it's come this far. I guess I just realized this is the lawyer CEO club because all of us have served as the CEO at one time or another. There you go. During that first phase, I was the CEO and I would say that that was lawyerist as a publication, right? Like it was, it was still very much a blog. And as we started transitioning the idea of what lawyerist was 
away from like a daily blog, a publication to teaching and educating. At some point in there, you and I decided that we should switch roles and you should be the CEO and take Lawyerist into the future. And so it's it's been your vision that's been driving Lawyerist for the last, what, five, five. six years? Yep. yep. And you have shepherded Lawyerist from Lawyerist the publication to Lawyerist as teaching, consulting, coaching. And so it seems only appropriate that we hand it over to Stephanie now that that vision has been sort of established because that is when we brought Stephanie on board, it was in large part because she already had some of the experience and expertise of doing that kind of teaching and coaching around um, lawyers as business people. And, um, and so it feels right and good to be handing off the reins. Yeah. I think the other part that's of that evolution, that's important to note. And I think it's relevant to our audience is for those first five years or so, when you were in charge, we were still very much a like two partner firm where we had some contractors and some part-time people. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But we were kind of operating as our own thing as self-employed people. Mm -hmm. And that one of the transitions that coincided with the handoff from you to me was our decision that it was time to grow into a company where we hired a team and built processes and had systems in place that we hadn't needed when it was just some part-time people, or even when we were busy with it, but without other people to manage and lead and without the need for all that structure. And so we then spent the last five years building all of those things and getting that infrastructure in place so that now we don't even need us as the founders to be doing the work of the company because that foundation is in place. And I think that's kind of the vision for Lawyerist Lab for small law firms is this transition from a law practice as often a partnership to a law practice as a business. And eventually with the idea that your business doesn't necessarily have to have you as the primary employee, even if you're the owner or founder. I mean, it can. <laughs> yep, it definitely can. Yeah, for sure not, it can. Not to scare people. <laughs> no, but I, th- I think what we want to kind of challenge listeners to today is, is maybe to rethink what exit or retirement is probably in terms of how lawyers have thought about this in the past is, you know, I build this thing and I practice law and I do it until I retire at the ripe old age of, I don't know, somewhere between 65 (laughs) and 80 for some lawyers. Right. And, and I think this discussion today is we want to challenge that a little bit that maybe retirement can, if we want to phrase it that way or exit can look different. And so Aaron, I mean, what kind of messages do you, would you be telling firm owners as they, as they think about what it might mean to make an exit? Yeah. I mean, I think only not even a message for other lawyers, but just kind of my own thoughts are, this isn't something where I want to retire in order to like sit on a beach with my feet in the sand. It's (laughs) like, I've got lots of work to do in the world. The thing I've been trying to do with lawyerists for the last five years is make it be a place where I have the option to decide how it fits into the life I'm trying to build. And I'm not trying to jettison lawyerist. I've just realized recently that I don't have to be the person running it day to day to get out of it what I want or for it to become the thing that I've envisioned all this time. And what's super cool about the systems and processes and team we've built is that 
I have complete faith that the company is going to continue to grow and succeed and have the impact I've always envisioned. And I had the option, the luxury of deciding how I wanted to participate in that. And I, I think that's a message that lots of small law firms can owners can try to incorporate into their plans. I mean, you and I have talked a lot for years about the importance of small law firms having really clear visions. And I think it's probably only in the last month or two that you and I have really dialed in that all of those visions should have some mention of what the end is for me, the founder in my law firm, so that because the vision isn't just I want to have this impact or I want to grow to this size, but it's also like, when will I know when I'm done with it? Is it I want to build a thing that I will die in, which is true for some lawyers, and that's okay. Is it something I want to sell when it's time for me to be done? Or is it something I want to sell on my own terms with me being able to lead the option and the decision of, yep, it's my time, not it's my time because I'm dead. <laughs> Do you guys remember uh, the podcast I did with Paul Floyd, like at the very beginning? Episode two, within, I think, or yeah, three. It was, like, yeah. it was within the first where he talked about his idea that mo most of us have about 40 years of, of work to do. And uh, for most people, it'll be time for change about every 10 years. And I, I don't know why, but that has always, I mean, it's totally arbitrary, right? Why 10 years? But that has always sort of sat with me and resonated with me. You know, I practiced law for about 10 years. Um, I turned my focus to lawyers for about 10 years. And so uh, when you and I started talking about me leaving, um, it had already felt like, yeah, I think I'm ready to do to, you know, for some new challenge for, to do something else. And I, I don't know, maybe I, I feel like my wife's career has, has gone in, in sort of a similar pace. And, and maybe that's part of it too, is like, you should be planning ahead for what you want to do next, because there probably is going to be a time when you're like, yeah, I think I'm ready to move on and try something else. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to that, because it totally resonates with me is I don't always think that for everyone that needs to mean leaving the thing right. they're building. I think it can often mean all right, I'm having a little bit of burnout or a midlife crisis or just one of these transitional moments. Let's use that to reflect on doubling down on a pivot or a rebrand or something like that in order to kind of refresh, reset and have another 10-year buy-in to a new plan. Yeah. And Sam, when you made your transition, I remember one of the discussions we had was like, you just wanted to be in creator mode again. Like you really, that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that drives you. And, and, and I think that's kind of what we're talking about is you haven't left lawyerist. Like you've, you've shifted your role. So you still, you know, you're still an owner of the business, but now you're able to create something new and shift some energy into being a creator. I'm, I'm just wondering how has that transition been for you? One of the things I learned about myself very shortly after I stopped giving my time to lawyers day to day is that I'm really bad at being idle. And I don't know if folks probably don't remember when I left, but it was in July of uh, of last year. So it was, you know, the pandemic had just ramped up. And as far as all of us knew, it was dangerous to go outside or touch anything. <laughs> so uh, there wasn't a whole lot to do other than be idle. And it turns out that that just didn't really suit me. So I started, I started building things almost immediately. And y'all remember my my wooden spoons that I was whittling and I, I built a piece of software for WordPress and, and, and another one and um, have just kept going because I need to be creating things. And I, I don't know, people probably don't realize that's what I was doing at Lawyers too, is not just the podcast, but in the back end, I was building the website and building the tools that we were making. And so 
now it feels really good to be making things again because sitting around ain't good for me. I love that. And I think that's one of the real exciting messages that we get to talk about in today's show. But this idea that you guys aren't leaving, but you're just moving on to put your energy <laughs> somewhere else. I know I'm going to keep saying that because because I've told you both you can't go very far. <laughs> like, Yeah. Right? Well, I don't want to go very far. And like and the idea of early retirement doesn't appeal to me. <laughs> no. And it's just more like you get to shift your energies. But I think mm -hmm. it'd be helpful to kind of think about if someone's sitting here listening to this, it also didn't happen overnight. So this wasn't just something no. we woke up and decided to do. And so, I mean, Aaron, do you have a sense? How, I mean, how long would you say that we've actually been preparing to make these shifts and to kind of change reins as we are? I mean, I think there are a couple of different answers to that question. I think at the very specific analysis of like, how much we have actively been planning for me to stop having a day job at a certain date and for you to fill in the details of that, like that planning has been months in the works, but at a much more important and broader level, the active and intentional work of building the team and the systems and the processes and the goals, that work has been going very deliberately for years, not with the intention of because Aaron needs to be out by a date certain, but because we knew that it is what makes the business the healthiest. It allows owners to have options. It allows the business to have the right people in the right seats at any given time. And that me seeing that it was time to fire myself because it was time for you to be the right person is part of this. And that only comes when there's a whole bunch of hard and arduous prep work in getting the company ready to be reflective and intentional in those kinds of decisions. I would say that I, I think arguably it has been going on since the very beginning, because one of the reasons for Lawyerist as a company's exist, I mean, there was there was the Sam's blog, Solo Small Tech, and then Lawyerist before you and I yep. uh, joined up and made it a business. But like, from almost the moment that you and I teamed up and, and relaunched Lawyerist together, we were influenced by books like The 4-Hour Workweek and The E-Myth Revisited that are pushing this idea of being able to sort of step back and, and delegate and um, make yourself less relevant or irrelevant to the day-to-day -day work so that you can step away, which doesn't mean we were doing a good job, but like... I was using those at the time, you know, lawyers was a side gig. And so like I was employing those ideas in my practice. And then at some point you and I were also working together in that practice, trying to employ some of those ideas. And, and we were trying to employ them in lawyerist as well as it grew with limited success. I mean, we stumbled around a ton, but then when, when we switched roles and you took over as CEO, you know, one of the very early things you asked me to do is read traction. And we started trying to work our way through the the ideas and principles and traction. And, and we've fumbled around with those for years as we've found the way that they work for us as a company. And then, yeah, I think very deliberately over the last five years or so, we've been doing those things. But I feel like the idea has been there and we've been trying to do it since the very beginning and have just gotten more focused on it as time has gone on. Yep. And it's one of these interesting things where what's interesting about growing a small business is so many people, mostly outside of law because of the weird rules, have like exit planning and mm -hmm. selling as a goal. 
And one of the things I realized a long time ago that was kind of a guiding principle for this business for us was that the things we could do to make this business the healthiest it could be for us as owners without an exit plan were the same things that would grow the company's value if we wanted to sell it. And therefore, we didn't even need to operate with some pie in the sky idea of exiting to some buyer because we could just pursue with our heads down the things that make this business the healthiest and that those are also the same things that allow you to be able to say, okay, this business is profitable and pays profit distributions on a regular cadence, which means I have income from it, whether I have a job in it or not. And you can start to have really interesting conversations around, could we just hire someone to do my role? And then as the owner, I get profits. And we did. Yeah. I feel like you and I have said to each other repeatedly over the years, like, what would it take to turn this into a business that could sell? And then recognizing that that would also be a business we would love to own. Precisely. Yeah. I love that message so much. And I've been having this conversation a lot, as Aaron said, especially lately, where I'm talking with lawyers and asking them, you know, what is your, what's your exit? What are you thinking? And it's important because the initial pushback I get is, well, I could never sell Stephanie because of the regulations or because of the, you know, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. stop thinking about it that way. The reason the question's important is because how you answer it is going to help you build a better business today. So I love what Aaron just said, like, you don't even have to necessarily sell it or have this idea of who you're going to sell it to. But just building a business that has the potential to sell will make it a healthier, stronger business and benefit you as a business owner. And that's what we teach in lab, whether that's around (laughs) making sure your law firm has a brand so that someone else being the owner of your firm would find value in the thing you've built or making sure that you've got a client pipeline so that it isn't just around who you know and your this year's book of business, but that if someone were to buy your law firm, they could know there's a flow of income in the future that they can count on and having documented systems and procedures so that a future owner could know that they can deliver the same quality of service that you do by following your systems and procedures and having a clear accountability chart so that you can know who does what in this firm and doing all of those things makes it theoretically possible to sell a law firm to a buyer for profit, but it also just makes a healthier law firm for you and your team and your clients. Yeah. I think one of the other things that we learned along the way is that there's sort of like a two sides to this. And and one is, you know, you, we have a tendency, you and I, Aaron, lawyers in general, I think, have a tendency to look at things like, um, let's say we read traction, we're like, you know, okay, we, we, we think there's lots of good ideas in here, but we want to do it our own way. And so we avoid all of the ridiculous capital letter pronouns that they have or nouns that they have for, you know, the rocks and things like that. And we, we just rename them and we decide we're going to do them on this cadence instead of that cadence, or we're going to change the way, structure of the way we do things. And I think we learned that that is a bad first impulse, but I also think we learned that almost nothing is cookie cutter. You can't also take a book and just say, Um, just apply it to your company or your law firm. So you kind of have to learn the system and then learn how to tweak it and figure out if it resonates with you. And I feel like we, uh, we did a fair amount of thinking, we just read this great book, it's going to be the answer. There's often a kernel of the answer in there, but you have to put in the work, which, which is why lab is a process as much as, you know, something that you can just take and apply to your firm. Right. Um, And I mean, that's why we wrote our book, the three of us together. (laughs) 
is in part because we tried to consolidate and adapt for small law firms all of those different business books and ideas, not just that we had read, but that we had implemented in Lawyerist as our own test of our systems. And it's why we are happy to have every law firm in the world spend $15 for an ebook of this book. It will give you all of that. Yeah. But you're still going to have to do the hard work. And that's why lab can be such a big benefit to people is you've got a full curriculum, but you've also got both our team and other lawyers in lab as this test bed to figure out how to apply these things to your firm, to overcome challenges that inevitably arise, to stay accountable to moving forward and implementing things. So that's why we do what we do. So you guys know the drill. We need to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, I've got a few more questions for you guys. Support for today's episode comes from Text Expander. Minimize effort, maximize productivity with Text Expander. Text Expander helps you work faster and smarter so you can focus your time on your most important work. Drive faster results in three steps. One, create. Make snippets of text for support responses, sales outreach, or even common emails to save them in Text Expander. Two, trigger. Just type a few characters and watch the snippet automatically expand your text. You can add fill-in-the-blank or more complex functionality to customize your message. Three, share. Share snippets across your organization. Your team can customize and insert the text in any app on Mac, Windows, Chrome, or iOS with a few keystrokes. Are you a startup looking to scale? Text Expander is here to help you on your journey. Check out Text Expander for Startups, a program that's specifically designed to help startup teams communicate more consistently, accurately, and efficiently. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander. Support for today's episode comes from Rankings.io, helping hyper-competitive personal injury attorneys dominate first-page rankings through search engine optimization to become better recognized as the leading law firm in your metro. Rankings is solely focused on SEO for personal injury law firms. You'll work with an entire team of SEO specialists dedicated to helping clients dominate search results with unparalleled industry expertise. Rankings focuses on proof, not promises, by delivering results and never leaving their clients in the dark. You'll receive monthly reports that give a full snapshot of where you stand as you watch your firm climb to the first page of Google and generate high-value leads. Most importantly, you'll be one of an elite few. Rankings' unrelenting conviction to be the best drives them to do everything to ensure the personal injury law firms working with them are dominating the search results. To see if you're a fit, visit rankings.io forward slash lawyerist to get started. Today's podcast is brought to you by Latera. Delivering high-quality work on time and on budget is what matters most to your clients. Latera helps law firms maximize client retention rates, increase profit margins, and enhance lawyer happiness. In short, They simplify complex workflows by connecting legal teams to the data they need every day. The result? End-user happiness. Most of the world's largest law firms, boutique firms, and corporate legal departments trust Latera to help their legal teams manage all of their documents, deals, cases, and data. Are you ready to join them? Latera is excited to hear about the challenges facing your organization, show you their software in action, or simply discuss whatever else might be top of mind. Get a demo with their document experts today by visiting latera.com forward slash lawyerist. So we're back and this discussion has been so great and helpful and I know I'm sure everyone's enjoying it. I guess one question I have for you guys before I shift is, is there something along the way you wish you knew sooner? 
Oh man, probably tons. I feel like the process of making a business that is that you can walk away from is in part like a voyage of discovery. <laughs> you know, we'll, we we can talk more about things like uh, the accountability chart and roles and processes and things like that. But that that process of figuring out what is the actual job that I'm doing, what is the right seat for me in this firm, what is it that motivates me, how well do I fit with the with the company's goals and and things like that. Those are all a bit of a process of discovery in in figuring out what is really essential to what who I am and what I want to do with my life and my work and what do I care about and what motivates me. You know, so like I wish I knew all that stuff at the beginning, but I'm not sure that I I could have. It's a fascinating question in part because I happen to be someone who philosophically doesn't really do regrets. Like I I look at the <laughs> last the last 13 years and like it feels like it all had to play out in the exact way that it did for it to be what it is now. Mm -hmm. um, and so had the butterfly flapped its wings in 2009 and we'd done something different, I don't know that that would have necessarily been a good change. I can't. I mean, there's a few arguments we might not have needed to have. There, I'm sure there are <laughs> a few arguments we might not needed to have had in that time. Um, that's probably a certainty. But it's like I can... It is very clear to me that some of the things that had the most meaningful impact on us transitioning towards growth and impact had to do with getting aligned on core values and an accountability chart, which is something we absolutely didn't explicitly do much on in the first two, three, five years. But at the same time, I think in part that's because we were so small and experimental at the beginning that we had to just kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what stuck and barrel forward without a plan until it was clear that we were on to something and then it became time to pivot into dialing it in. And I think we probably could have done some of that a year or two earlier than we did. And I think as I think about kind of what I'm saying as a lesson for law firms, certainly we sell lab and talk about lab in a way where we know that successful labsters also start with those two or three foundational elements to be successful in lab that you don't need to be worried about financial KPIs if you and your team aren't aligned on your core values and your accountability chart, like start mm -hmm. there. But we also don't try to invite people into lab or sell lab to lawyers who are so early in their careers or in their firm that they're still trying to just roll up their sleeves and see what sticks. It's for people who are ready to build a business. And sometimes that is day one. Some lawyers are ready to build a business, a real actual thing on day one. We weren't. In 2009, <laughs> we, we wanted to play around on the internet and see what we could do. And we did that yeah. for a few years and it worked. And then we realized, shit, it's time to do this for real. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever asked you guys how you came up with the word lab for the program because you did before I was here. <laughs> but I've always but I've always loved it because to me, what I've always said is, you know, a lecture hall is where you go and listen to someone just talk at you. A lab is where you go to roll up your sleeves and experiment and implement and test and refine and try new things and 
And I, I think that's what I'm hearing in both of your answers is yeah, you have to give yourself permission to get in there and get your hands dirty and figure it out. I think lab was something you and I came up with together, but it because we've had that idea that your firm is something that you need to figure out since the almost the beginning, in part because that's what I had been doing with my own law firm as I was creating Lawyerist. I don't know if everybody knows. I mean, some of our listeners have clearly been with us since then, but Lab has had several iterations, uh, mostly as mail, email Let's not confuse them. <laughs> and labs and things like that. And um, and then we decided to apply it to the program because it, it is the right thing for it to apply to. But we kept the concept and then figured out eventually what it was supposed to be describing over time. Like a lot of kind of foundational stories, I don't know if the version I have in my head is true <laughs> or not. It definitely like resonates with me of what I remember is I... I can picture the office we had. I recall like taking a break for a few minutes, coming back and saying, we should do a thing called the lawyer advisory board. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. (laughs) We would advise people and we would have a peer group. And one of the, I mean, it's super, because that was back in summer of 2009. And one of the very first members of that original program, which looked totally different and was tiny and didn't last or work because we were too early in our own maturity in building it out. We didn't have Stephanie yet is the point I'm trying to make. (laughs) One of the first members was Rachel Rogers, who is now like New York Times bestselling author um, who we've had on the podcast a couple of times. Um, and we can kind of say we we knew her when she was one of the first we five did, yeah. members of the original Lawyerist Lab program. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's right. So I feel like people want to know, what are you going to work on next? Or what are you working on now? I'm, I want to, I'm curious what Aaron's planning to work on next, because I've already kind of decided, but I don't know what his, his idea is. The easy answer is I don't totally know yet. I have been driven by a few ideas that led me to say it's time, but it's not that I'm transitioning necessarily into a specific next thing. In fact, I've told myself that I'm basically going to take the first couple of months of 2021 to mostly not say yes to anything (laughs) yet. And it's not because I have some pending offer that I'm waiting to say yes to. That said, the thing that has currently been taking up most of my attention and is almost certainly going to be a core component of what's next for me is a very hard pivot in a totally different direction, which is I've been spending a lot of time and energy on a few different topics related to kind of historical preservation. And so in 2020, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, kind of randomly decided it was time to move from urban Minneapolis back to my small hometown of Northfield, Minnesota, where I've had ancestors since 1860. My daughter is the seventh generation Northfielder. And partially that's driven by some intent to start digging into a specific place after having spent a whole generation building an internet business. And specifically around kind of historic preservation for the future of this really cute, vibrant, old, small town. And relatedly, I also have acquired a fascinating pet hobby project studying an obscure 
20th century sculptor, Oscar J.W. Hansen, who is most <laughs> famous for having been the sculptor of the Hoover Dam during the Great Depression. And his art is incredible and magical, and no one knows about it beyond this one piece of sculpture that millions of people a year see, and then they never hear anything more about him because he's kind of disappeared into obscurity. So I've spent the last year and a half researching him, connecting with his family, finding his lost sculptures, all with the hope of eventually telling his story in a new and different way, probably writing a book or something, but that is not lawyers on the internet. <laughs> not at all. Hmm. Oh, I love it. Can't wait to see what you both do. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe to wrap this up, um, it just feels appropriate. Hey, I get to tell what I yeah, did. Sam gets to talk too. Oh, I thought, <laughs> go ahead, Sam. You know, it's funny. I, I have always built websites and some real OG gamers may remember a website called Inca Gold that I had a hand in designing when I was a freshman in college. And in a weird way, the the guy who lived across the hall from me, Ryan Hagen, who had that thing actually may become somebody that I reconnect with and do some work for now, um, which is crazy. So I've been building websites since essentially I had access to computers. I built a website for the first law firm I worked for. I worked built a website for the outdoor store I worked for. And then I built Lawyerist in my own firm's website and blog. And But I've never I've never really done it professionally. And so... I've tried several things, you know, just to see what fits. And it just felt natural to me to kind of focus on that because I, I love building websites. I like building web-based tools. During my time at Lawyerist, I've I sort of without even realizing it, I've turned into somebody who can actually build cool stuff. And so I, I, I want to focus on that, not, not necessarily just for lawyers, but obviously that's the world I know best. And so I've been working with a few law firms, helping them build websites, but what I'd really like to do is help lawyers build client-centered websites, which is something we hear about. But I was just having a conversation with Marshall Lichty, who also used to work for lawyers and is now doing other things, um, really cool things, about how we tell lawyers they need to do things. We, meaning us in lawyers in particular, um, like you need to have KPIs and track them regularly, or you need to, um, your website needs to be clients, so you need to have a client portal or whatever. And there isn't always an easy way to implement that thing. So I think it would be really cool to help lawyers implement those things because at least the ones that relate to websites, because um, you can do some really cool stuff, but there aren't easy just plug and play tools out there and I can make them and I want to, I think it's cool. So that that's what I'm doing right now. I'm obviously my bread and butter will probably be building websites, but I hope to identify those firms that really do have a, a vision for what could be and help them help them bring that into reality. I love it. I can't wait to see what you both do. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I know. No, I want to wrap up and I want to tell you both, because I don't know that I've had a chance to say this, but thank you. Thank you for trusting me with literally your baby, this thing that you created, you founded and you grew. And yeah, I feel a little weight on my shoulders. Uh, it's I am excited and slightly nervous, which is a good thing. I feel like the thanks should go the other way. Like I, you joining our team was uh, just a landmark moment in lawyers' history, and making you the CEO is a no-brainer. You're you're a force of nature. I love having you <laughs> on board, and I I love that we get to turn the company over to you. Yep, you're ready. Mm -hmm. All right, love fest needs to end. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Ryan Croft. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com community lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.